Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at the top for uh, online edition, <laughs> sorry, but you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same menu, that same top banner menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email, also sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to 11 a.m., Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 27, The Body and the Dream, with Section 3, The Fear of Healing, uh, excuse me, Section 4, The Symbol of the Impossible, and Section 5, The Quiet Answer. At the top of the hour, We'll pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day, which today is lesson 289. That lesson is, the past is over, it can touch me not. That's good news there. Okay. This is uh, <laughs> this is definitely one of my favorite parts of the call this morning. Lori, <laughs> do you have one of your wonderful noetic openings to I, for the call this morning? <laughs> I do. What a gift it is! It's so uh, it's so perfect a thought to fall into. I think I'd like to read it twice. from Shams of Tabriz. The past is an interpretation. The future is an illusion. The world does not move through time as if it were a straight line proceeding from the past to the future. Instead, time moves through and within us in endless spirals. Eternity does not mean infinite time, but simply timelessness. If you want to experience eternal illumination, put the past and the future out of your mind and remain within the present moment. The past is an interpretation, the future is an illusion. The world does not move through time as if it were a straight line proceeding from the past to the future. Instead, time moves through 
and within us in endless spirals. Eternity does not mean infinite time, but simply timelessness. If you want to experience eternal illumination, put the past and the future out of your mind and remain within the present moment. The past is over. It can touch me not. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lori. That's good. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. She's in all disturbances. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. Uh, thank you, Lori. Mm. Okay. Now let me go through the list of who's here in reading and who's here in listening. What I I have for readers as Lori, uh, Fran, Robin Marie, Jennifer, Jessica, and Karen. And with us in listening, I have Leanne, Kristen, Judy, and Ida. Are there any corrections to that? Or anyone else who's joined us who would like to say good morning and and perhaps join the reading list? Morning, it's Sandra. I can read. Great, thanks, Sandra. All right. Well, um, let me just go ahead and get us started now. So significant amount of reading and I have caused delay. Here we go. Chapter 27, The Body in the Dream. Section 4, The Symbol of the Impossible. Power cannot oppose, for opposition would weaken it. And weakened power is a contradiction in ideas. Weak strength is meaningless. And power used to weaken is employed to limit. And therefore, it must be limited and weak because that is its purpose. Power is unopposed to be itself. No weakness can intrude upon on it without changing it into something it is not. To weaken is to limit and impose an opposite that contradicts the concept which it attacks. And by this does it join to the idea of something it is not and make it unintelligible. Who can understand a double concept such as weakened power or as hateful love Chapter 27, Body and the Dream, Section 4, The Symbol of the Impossible. Power cannot oppose, for opposition would weaken it, and weakened power is a contradiction in ideas. Weak strength is meaningless, 
and power used to weaken is employed to limit and therefore it must be limited and weak because that is its purpose power is unopposed to be itself no weakness can intrude on it without changing it into something it is not to weaken is to limit and impose an opposite that contradicts the concept which it attacks and by this does it join to the idea of something that is not and make it unintelligible who can understand a double concept such as so-called weakened power or as hateful love you've decided that your brother is a symbol for a quote-unquote hateful love a quote-unquote weakened power and above all quote-unquote living death and so he has no meaning to you for he stands for what is meaningless he represents a double thought where half is cancelled out by the remaining half yet even this is quickly contradicted by the half it cancelled out and so they both are gone and now he stands for nothing symbols which represent ideas that cannot be must stand for empty space and nothingness yet nothingness and empty space cannot be interference what can interfere with the awareness of reality whoop, whoop, whoop. what can interfere with the awareness of reality is the belief that there is something there thank you Lori and Fran 30 you have decided that your brother is a symbol for a quote-unquote hateful love a quote-unquote weakened power and above all a quote-unquote living death and so he has no meaning to you for he stands for what is meaningless he represents a double thought where half is cancelled out by the remaining half yet even this is quickly contradicted by the half it cancelled out and so they both are gone and now he stands for nothing symbols which but represent ideas that cannot be must stand for empty space and nothingness yet nothingness and empty space cannot be interference what can interfere with the awareness of reality is the belief that there is something there 31 the picture of your brother that you see means nothing there is nothing to attack or to deny love or hate or to endow with power or to see as weak the picture has been wholly cancelled out because it symbolized a contradiction which cancels out the thought it represents and thus the picture has no cause at all who can perceive effect without a cause what can the causeless be but nothingness the picture of your brother that you see is wholly absent and has never been let then the empty space it occupies be recognized as vacant and the time devoted to its seeing be perceived as idly spent a time unoccupied thank you Brian and Robin Marie 
30. The picture of your brother that you see means nothing. There is nothing to attack or to deny, love or hate, or to endow with power or to see as weak. The picture has been wholly canceled out because it symbolized a contradiction which canceled out the thought it represents. And thus the picture has no cause at all. Who can perceive effect without a cause? What can the causeless be but nothingness? The picture of your brother that you see is wholly absent and has never been. Let then the empty space it occupies be recognized as vacant and the time devoted to its seeing be perceived as idly spent, a time unoccupied. 31. An empty space which is not seen as filled, an unused interval of time not seen as spent and fully occupied, becomes a silent invitation to the truth to enter and to make itself at home. No no preparation can be made that would enhance the invitation's real appeal. For what you leave as vacant, God will fill. And where he is, there must the truth abide. Unweakened power with no opposite is what creation is. For this, there are no symbols. Nothing points beyond the truth. For what can stand for more than everything? Yet true undoing must be kind. And so the first replacement for your picture is another picture of another kind. Thank you, Robin Marie and Jennifer. An empty space which is not seen as filled, an unused interval of time not not seen spent and fully occupied becomes a silent invitation to the truth to enter and to make itself at home. No preparation can be made that would enhance the invitation's real appeal. For what you leave is thinking, God will fill. And where he is, there must, there must the truth abide. Unweakened power with no opposite is what creation is. For For this there are no symbols. Nothing points beyond the truth. For what can stand for more than everything? Yet true undoing must be kind. And so the first replacement for your picture is another picture of another kind. 33. As nothingness cannot be pictured, so there is no symbol for totality. Reality is ultimately known without a form. Unpictured 
and unseen. Forgiveness is not yet a power known as holy, free women. Yet it sets no limits you have chosen to oppose. Forgiveness is the means by which the truth is represented temporarily. It lets the Holy Spirit make exchange of pictures possible until the time when aids are meaningless and learning done. No learning aid has use which can extend beyond the goal of learning. When its aim has been accomplished, it is functional. Yet in the learning interval, it has a use which now you fear, but yet will love. Thank you, Jennifer. And Jessica. 33. As nothingness cannot be pictured, so there is no symbol for totality. Reality is ultimately known without a form, unpictured and unseen. Forgiveness is not yet a power known as wholly free of limits. Yet it sets no limits you have chosen to impose. Forgiveness is the means by which the truth is represented temporarily. It lets the Holy Spirit make exchange of pictures possible until the time when aids are meaningless and learning done. No learning aid has use which can extend beyond the goal of learning. When its aim has been accomplished, it is functionless. Yet in the learning interval, it has a use which now you fear, but yet will love. 34. The picture of your brother given you to occupy the space so lately left unoccupied and vacant will not need defense of any kind, for you will give it overwhelming preference, nor delay an instant in deciding that it is the only one you want. It does not stand for double concepts, though it is but half the picture and is incomplete within itself, it is the same. The other half of what it represents remains unknown, but is not canceled out. And thus is God's left, I'm sorry, and thus is God left free to take the final step himself. For this, you need no pictures and no learning aids. And what will ultimately take the place of every learning aid will merely be, will merely be. Forgiveness vanishes and symbols fade and nothing which the eyes have ever seen or ears have heard remains to be perceived. Thank you, Jessica. And Karen. 34. The picture of your brother given you to occupy the space so lately left unoccupied and vacant will not need defense of any kind, for you will give it overwhelming preference. 
nor delay an instant in deciding that it is the only one you want. It does not stand for double concepts. Though it is but half the picture and is incomplete within itself, it is the same. The other half of what it represents remains unknown but is not canceled out. And thus is God left free to take the final step himself. For this you need no pictures and no learning aids. And what will ultimately take the place of every learning aid will merely be. Forgiveness vanishes and symbols fade and nothing which the eyes has ever seen or ears have ever heard remains to be perceived. 35. A power wholly limitless has come, not to destroy, but to receive its own. There is no choice of functioning anywhere. The choice you fear to lose, you never had. Yet only this appears to interfere with power unlimited and single thoughts, complete and happy without opposite. You do not know the peace of power, which opposes nothing. Yet no other kind can be at all. Give welcome to the power beyond forgiveness and beyond the world of symbols and of limitations. He would merely be, and so he merely is. Thank you, Karen. And Sandra, would you read uh, 35? And then um, I'd like to uh, <laughs> like to just take a moment with that, with this, with where 35 in. Just take sure. a moment there. Mm-hmm. 35. A power wholly limitless has come, not to destroy, but to receive its own. It's is a capital I. There is no choice of function anywhere. The choice you feared to lose, you never had. Yet only this appears to interfere with power, unlimited, and single thoughts, complete and happy, without opposite. You do not know the peace of power, which opposes nothing, Yet no other kind can be at all. Give welcome to the power beyond forgiveness and beyond the world of symbols and of limitations. Give welcome to the power beyond forgiveness and beyond the world of symbols and limitations. He would merely be, and so he merely is. All capital H's. Yeah, thank you, Sandra. Let's just take a minute with that. He would merely be, and so he merely is.
Hi, Lemoyne. Are you on mute? Uh, I was, yeah. Oh, I hi. I <laughs> wanted to take a minute with the end of that section. And uh, <laughs> I think your chipperness is cue to move on. Um, Sandra, would you continue by starting us off on Section 5? With sure. Tyra? I'm just going to read, because you, t- because you took that poignant moment, I'm going to read it again. He would merely okay. be, he would merely be in the present moment, and so he merely is. Chapter 27, The Body and the Dream, The Quiet Answer. 36. In quietness are all things answered, and is every problem quietly resolved. In conflict, there can be no answer and no resolution, for its purpose is to make no resolution possible and to ensure no answer will be plain. A problem set in conflict has no answer, for it is seen in different ways. And what would be an answer from one point of view is not an answer in another light. You are in conflict. Thus, it must be clear you cannot answer anything at all. For conflict has no limited effects. Yet, if God gave an answer, there must be a way in which your problems are resolved for what he wills already has been done. Thank you, Sandra. And is there a new reader for 30, for, uh, okay, let me go with the chapter and section title, paragraph 36 and 37. Do we have a new reader? Okay. Thank you, LeMoyne. Five, the quiet answer. In quietness are all things answered and is every problem quietly resolved. In conflict, there can be no answer and no resolution, for its purpose is to make no resolution possible and to ensure No answer will be plain. A problem set in conflict has no answer, for it is seen in different ways. And what would be an answer from one point of view is not an answer in another light. You are in conflict. Thus, it must be clear, you cannot answer anything at all. For conflict has no limited effects. Yet if God gave an answer, there must be a way in which your problems are resolved for what he wills already has been done. Thus, it must be that time is not involved and every problem can be answered now. Yet, it must also be that in your state of mind, solution is impossible. Therefore, God must have given you a way 
of reaching to another state of mind in which the answer is already there. Such is the holy instant. It is here that all your problems should be brought and left. Here they belong, for here their answer is. And where its answer is, a problem must be simple and be easily resolved. It must be pointless to attempt to solve a problem where the answer cannot be. Yet, just as surely, it must be resolved if it is brought to where the answer is. Well, thank you, Judy. And is there another new reader for 37 and 38? Another new reader for 37 and 38? Hi, LeMoyne. This- Go ahead. Uh, it's Leanne. Okay. I can read. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and I'll read next. Sounds good. Thir- uh, 37. Thus, it must be that time is not involved. And every problem can be answered now. Yet it must also be that in your state of mind, solution is impossible. Therefore, God must have given you a way of reaching to another state of mind in which the answer is already there. Such is the holy instant. It is here that all your problems should be brought and left. Here they belong. For here, their answer is. And where its answer is, a problem must be simple and easily resolved. It must be pointless to attempt to solve a problem where the answer cannot be. Yet just as surely, it must be resolved if it is brought to where the answer is. 38. Attempt solve no problems, but within the holy instant surety. For there the problem will be answered and resolved. Outside there will be no solution, for there is no answer there that could be found. Nowhere outside a single simple question is ever asked. The world can only ask a double question with many answers, none of which will do. It does not ask a question to be answered, but only to restate point of view. All questions 
asked within this world are but a way of looking, not a question asked. A question asked in hate cannot be answered because it is an answer in itself. A double question asks and answers, both attesting the same thing in different form. Thank you, Leanne and Lana. Okay, I'm outside, so I apologize for background noise. Okay, um, this is 38. Attempt to solve no problem, but within the holy instance, surety. For there, the problem will be answered and resolved. Outside, there will be no solution. For there is no answer there that could be, I'm sorry, for there that could be found. Nowhere outside a single simple question is ever asked. The world can only ask a double question with many answers, none of which will do. It does not ask question to be answered but only to restate its point of view. All questions asked within the world are but a way of looking, not a question asked. A question asked in hate cannot be answered because it is an answer in itself. A double question asks and answers, both attesting the same thing in different form. 39. The world asks but one question. It is this. Of these illusions, which of them are true? Which which ones establish peace and offer joy? and which can bring escape from all the pain of which this world is made. Whatever form the question takes, its purpose is the same. It asks but to establish sin is real and answers in the form of preference. Which sin do you prefer? That is the one which you should choose. The others are not true. What can the body get that you would want the most of all? It is your servant and your friend, but tell it what you want, and it will serve you lovingly and well. And this is not a question, for it tells you what you want and where to go for it. It leaves no room to question its beliefs except that what it states takes questions form. Thank you, Lana. And is there another new reader for 39 and 40?
Another new reader for 39 and 40. Okay, back to you, Lori. Ready. 39. The world asks but one question. It is this. Quote, of, of these illusions, which of them are true? Which ones establish peace and offer joy? And which can bring escape from all the pain of which this world is made? End quote. <laughs> Whatever form the question takes, its purpose is the same. It asks, but to establish sin is real and answers in the form of preference. Quote, which sin do you prefer? That is the one which you should choose. The others are not true. What can the body get that you would want the most of all? It is your servant, your friend. But tell it what you want, and it will serve you lovingly and well, end quote. And this is not a question, for it tells you what you want and where to go for it. It leaves no room to question its beliefs, except that what it states takes questions for. Uh, 40. A pseudo-question has no answer. It dictates the answer even as it has. Thus, it's all questioning within the world a form of propaganda for itself. Just as the body's witnesses are but senses from within itself, so are the answers to the questions of the world contained within the questions. Where answers represent the questions, they add nothing new, and nothing has been learned. Thank you, Lori. And Fran. 40. A pseudo-question has no answer. It dictates the answer even as it asks. Thus is all questioning within the world a form of propaganda for itself. Just as the body's witnesses are but the senses from within itself, so are the answers to the questions of the world contained within the questions. Where questions represent the que excuse me, where answers represent the questions, they add nothing new and nothing has been learned. 41. An honest question is a learning tool which asks for something that you do not know. It does not set conditions for response, but merely asks what the response should be. But no one in a conflict state is free to ask this question, for he does not want an honest answer where the conflict ends. Only within the holy instant can an honest question honestly be asked. And from the meaning of the question does the meaningfulness of the answer come. Here is it possible to separate your wishes from the answer so it can be given you and also be received. The answer is provided everywhere, yet it is only here it can be heard. Thank you, Fran. And Robin Marie. An honest question is a learning tool which asks for something that you do not know. It does not set conditions for response, but merely asks 
what the response should be. But no one in a conflict state is free to ask this question, for he does not want an honest answer where the conflict ends. Only within the holy instant can an honest question honestly be asked. And from the meaning of the question does the meaningfulness of the answer come. Here is it possible to separate your wishes from the answer so that it can be given you and also be received. The answer is provided everywhere, yet it is only here it can be heard. An honest answer asks no sacrifice because it answers questions truly asked. The questions of the world that ask of whom is sacrifice demanded, asking not if sacrifice is meaningful at all. And so unless the answer tells, quote, of whom, unquote, it will remain unrecognized, unheard, and thus the question is preserved intact because it gave the answer to itself. The holy instant is the interval in which the mind is still enough to hear an answer which is not entailed within the question asked. It offers something new and different from the question. How could it be answered if it but repeats itself? Thank you, Robin Marie and Jennifer. 42. An honest answer asks no sacrifice because it answers questions truly asked. The questions of the world but ask of whom is sacrifice demanded, asking not if sacrifice is meaningful at all. And so, unless the answer tells, quote-unquote, of whom, it will remain unrecognized and heard, and thus the question is preserved intact because it gave the answer to itself. The holy instant is the interval in which the mind is still enough to hear an answer which is not entailed within the question asked. It offers something new and different from the question, how could it be answered if it but repeats itself? 43. Therefore, attempt to solve no problems in a world from which the answer has been barred. But bring the problem to the only place which holds the answer lovingly for you. Here are the answers which will solve your problem because they stand apart from them. And see what can be answered, what the question is. <clears throat> Within the world, the answers merely raise another question. So they, they leave the first unanswered in the holy instant. You can bring the question to the answer and receive the answer 
that was made for you. Thank you, Jennifer. And Jessica. Thanks. 43. Oh, let me read the sentence before. How could right, start, it be? Start, start Jessica. What? Would you start at the holy instant as the interval? Sure. The holy instant is the interval in which the mind is still enough to hear an answer which is not entailed within the question asked. It offers something new and different from the question. How could it be answered if it but repeats itself? 43. Therefore, attempt to solve no problems in a world from which the answer has been barred, but bring the problem to the only place which holds the answer lovingly for you. Here are the answers which will solve your problem because they stand apart from them and see what can be answered, what the question is. Within the world, the answers merely raise another question, so they leave the first unanswered. In the holy instant, you can bring the question to the answer and receive the answer that was made for you. Thank you, Jessica. And yeah, we're well past the top of the hour. And so we'll turn to you now, friends, to lead us and the lessons for the day uh, with our thanks we give you our attention. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are still in the second part of the workbook, and the theme that we're on is what is the Holy Spirit? And today's lesson is Lesson 289. The past is over. It can touch me not. So I shall read some from What is the Holy Spirit? And we'll go to our lesson and do our five-minute meditation. Okay. What is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit mediates between illusions and the truth. As he must bridge the gap between reality and dreams, perception leads to knowledge through the grace that God has given him to be his gift to everyone who turns to him for truth. The goal of the Holy Spirit's teaching set is just this end of dreams. For sights and sounds must be translated from the witnesses of fear to those of love. The Holy Spirit understands the means you made by which you would attain what is forever unattainable. And if you offer them to him, he will employ the means you made for exile to restore your mind to where it truly is at home. Accept your Father's gift. It is a call from love to love that it be but itself. The Holy Spirit is his gift by which the quietness of heaven is restored to God's beloved Son. Now we'll go over to the lesson. 
Lesson 289, the past is over. It can touch me not. Unless the past is over in my mind, the real world must escape my sight. For I am really looking nowhere, seeing but what is not there. How can I then perceive the world forgiveness offers? This the past was made to hide. For this the world that can be looked on only now. It has no past. And what can be forgiven but the past? And if it is forgiven, it is gone. Father, let me not look upon a past that is not there. For you have offered me your own replacement in a present world. The past has left untouched and free of sin. Here is the end of guilt. And here am I made ready for your final step. Shall I demand that you wait longer for your son to find the loveliness you plan to be the end of all his dreams and all his pain? Lesson 289. The past is over. It can touch me not. Five minutes.
Lesson 289. The past is over. It can touch me not. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thanks, Fran. Oh, thank you, Fran. Amen, indeed. Thank you, guys. Good morning, everyone. Um, this is Lana. Uh, boy, the, the the lesson and the reading really, uh, really come together for me this morning. It's um, you know, I'm reminded that uh, you know we seem to live or exist within two different dimensions. <laughs> uh, one's based solely on the past. I'm remembering the lesson. I see only the past. And the whole, you know, ego thought system is based on the past. And that's its only point of reference when it's looking for anything. You know, it goes to the past. And so if I have a problem, that's where the ego goes. It looks for the, in the past for a solution. And obviously, if the past contained a solution, I would know it and I wouldn't be conflicted and confused and and if I'm really aligned with the ego thought system I can slip into a state of you know if I'm not careful of hopelessness believing that an answer doesn't exist but I can also remember that I have another choice I can choose to align my mind with God in this holy instant and in this whole instant of now, um, not associated with the past, I, ha- I gain access to the infinite mind of God, which has the answer to any question I could ever conceive of. <laughs> you know, it's, um, and divine logic will tell me that I can't find an answer within the thought system that created the problem. You know, not only does it not have an answer, but even if it did, I doubt that it would share it with me because it would know it would lead to its own demise. You know, but in this holy instant, you know, and and I love that he reminds me that, you know, not to attempt to solve the problem. You know, that's what Jesus calls a tragic waste of time. It's neither good or bad. It's, It's just a waste of time because there is no answer there. You know, but um, if I ask the question within this holy answer, I truly need to do nothing other than await the answer. And the answer is comes, at least for me, not through a, a thinking process, but it's like the answer is delivered to my mind. It doesn't require um, the ego's participation. It's just... Uh, you behold it, you see in the quietness and stillness, in that empty space, uh, we left when we left the ego thought system and made the choice to come to the holy instant. That empty space is filled with the answer. We've made a space for God. And in that space, the answer is received. And um, I don't know about you guys, but for me, after my mind's been healed, 
one of two things happen. I, uh, the first is I recognized that there was no problem and the question was just a meaningless idea that has no importance at all. And I might wonder, you know, why was I so upset and perplexed by that? Or suddenly a solution shows up in my mind. Um, and the experience is like, wow, that's so obvious. Why didn't I think of that before? You know? <laughs> and, and that was because I had blocked it because I was aligned. I was so busy in the past searching for an answer that I didn't remember that the answer, all answers are given to me in the holy instant if I just quiet my mind and prepare a place for it to be delivered. Um, and the more that happens, the more I experience that miracle, uh, the stronger my resolve becomes. You know, the, the truth is validated so many times that I trust it. You know, I trust that um, the answer will come. You know, once I ask Jesus, and I shared this before, but it's kind of key to what we're talking about today, is um, the answer is, what is the truth of this? He asked me, I asked, I'll ask the question, or I'll ask the question like, what am I going to do? And he'll tell me, you're asking the wrong question. <laughs> it's not about what are you going to do. It's what about God's going to do. And if I just quiet my mind and step aside and uh, stop trying to figure things out and stop trying to solve the problem on my own, Holy Spirit will do it for me. Uh, and it will cause, and it will require no effort on my part other than the effort to, to be still and silent. That can be challenging sometimes. But it, when I'm successful in doing that, there comes the answer. There it is, like hiding in plain sight. I just didn't see it before. I just didn't see that there can be no problems the Son of God. But there can be a belief in problems, but it doesn't change the truth that there are no problems. Um, and that's what the healing brings to my mind, brings to my awareness that I was duped again. You know, I bought into it. <laughs> Oops, I did it again. And, um, and there's no guilt associated with that. It's, it's just, um, I just noticed, okay, I'm still learning this. And the more I learn it, and the more this truth is expressed in my experience, the easier it becomes to trust it until I get to that point where it makes no sense not to trust it because it's been proven to me so many times. So anyhow, I love the reading and I love the lesson today. Um, the past, you know, the past is over. It can touch me not. And the past you know, isn't real anyway, you know? It's, it's um, the ego mind can believe it's real and it can bring the past to the present and project it on the future. And then I get to replay the whole thing again, <laughs> you know? But um, anyhow, I'm, I'm going to try to stay in truth and know that God has the answers 
to anything my crazy mind, ego mind can make up today. And I'm going to stay in peace. I'm complete. Thank you for listening. Oh, that was just so right on, Lana. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank thank you. you. Thank you, Lana. That was. Thank you, Lana. Thank you, Lana. Thank you, guys. Good morning. This is Sandra. And, um, Lana, I just loved how you described the holy instant. And for me, what makes it a holy instant is that I brought in the Holy Spirit. Um, That's when I can truly turn it over to the Holy Spirit, which means I have truly let it go and forgotten about it. That's, you know, you'll hear me say, once I turn it over to the Holy Spirit, and really that's the only effort I need to make is turn it over and truly let it go in trust and faith that the Holy Spirit will give me guidance. Conflict ends when I bring it to the Holy Spirit. There's no more conflict because when I truly turn it over, I let it go and I forget about it and go paddleboarding or go fishing or whatever I'm going to do until I'm guided. You know, when I do that, I'm in the holy instant. When I truly turn it over and forget about it, now I'm in the holy instant and I'm available in the present moment, which is the holy instant being fully available to receive the guidance from my Holy Spirit. And what I noticed from this reading Um, is that all my relationships were based in love-hate because all my relationships, I I was remembering the past, which was determining how I was going to behave in those relationships. I would love you if if you gave me what I wanted, but then I hated you if you didn't do what I wanted you to do. And these became problems. And, you know... There are no problems for the Holy Spirit, and, but they were patterned. And, and they put me in a place of a dark night of a soul, which is exactly where God wants me temporarily, where my Holy Spirit wants me, because God abhors a vacuum, and there's darkness on the face of the deep, and, and that's, that's like the womb. The womb, when a child is... Is, is in the womb and developing. It's dark. It's dark in there. But now I can open to receive God's answer instead of the ego's answer. And God, I'm open now for God to take the final step. And I'm willing to truly let go of the past and forget it and go to the Holy Spirit and trust and wait for God to take the final step. And God will fill that vacuum if I'm willing. I'm complete. Yes, you are. (laughs) Oh, that was so beautiful. Sandra, spot on. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. This is Wendy. I just want to say how grateful I am for the faith of those that are sharing because I can 
I can, it's like having a, a meal of something rich and beautiful and delicious to hear the faith that you all have. Just strengthens mine. God bless you. I'm complete. And that was so sweet. Oh, thank, thank you, Wendy. Oh, thank you, Wendy. We are mighty companions. Yeah. We are walking each other home. <laughs> like it. Wait, listen for it. Look for it. God has to answer. Good morning, Karen. Um, I really loved the reading this morning. And um, just a few thoughts. The holy instant is that empty space. And, uh, Lori, you always say, I don't know. And, like, I don't know transports you into that holy instant where we become empty for a second and the ego shuts up. And when we try to answer the problem or the question ourselves, we, we go right to the past. You know, my past learning, my past reference points, what I understand on the basis of my past interpretations and my past traumas, the unconscious things that, that operated all the time to um, make me call up witnesses you know, to the stories that I have stored in my memory. The opposite of that is to have that empty place, to go into the empty place, which the Course is saying is the holy instant. In the holy instant, I become empty. I don't have the question because I don't know, I'm not going to use my, my ego's questions, which have implied answers. And they never even answer the question. They just recycle the past. All my ego's questions just recycle the past. Um, I was having a conversation last night with someone, and the person was really upset, and there's this big drama going on. And I was feeling very peaceful. And I just wasn't engaging in the story. I was just hanging out in the Holy Spirit and letting her share. And all of a sudden something happened, which I have to like, I, I mean, I literally like couldn't believe that it happened. But something she said triggered something that made me respond with a memory of my past. And in that moment I lost it. I just lost it. I became identified with the whole story. And Instead, instead of consciously staying in the holy instant and saying, you know, just let me hold the space for love to be here, you know, and, and let me speak the truth when it's my turn to say something, which is, you know, um, I want to uphold the, the best in this person, and I don't know what's going on with her right now, but let me just, let me just hold the love for the person I know she really is. You know, and that was, and that was working until all of a sudden I got caught in it, and then, 
and then I lost it, and then the past was alive again. And when I did the lesson this morning, I thought, let me make a vow to my beloved, to the divine, that I will not hold on to the past. When it comes up in my mind, I will just put it on the inner altar and ask for it to be released. Because the world exists in my mind. This is what the Course is teaching. The world exists in my mind. What I choose to hold on to or what I choose to heal and forgive and let go of. I choose beauty. I choose love. I choose peace. I don't want this and this this um, opposition, this falsehood, this storytelling, this drama. I don't want any of that anymore. I just want to be in the holy instant, the empty place, the place where forgiveness is, um, I think it says, forgiveness is the means by which the truth is represented temporarily. And let the empty space be recognized as vacant. It is a silent invitation to the truth to enter. What you leave as vacant, God will fill. That's pretty good. The Holy Spirit will make an exchange. Let the power of God fill the empty space in my mind. And let me learn that the holy instant is the place to bring all my problems. And it's the only place to ask an honest question to get an honest answer. It's the place where there is no conflict. The worldly questions imply ego interpretations, which are all illusions. They're just a choice between illusions and questions form to establish that sin is real. And when the ego asks, it's a preference. What sin do I prefer? It's a pseudo question. It dictates the answer. It doesn't rip that rip the, the false answers that really just represent the questions. So let me be empty. Let me just be in the quiet answer of the holy instant. I'm complete. Oh, that was so wide open and lovely. Thank you, Karen. Loved it. Thank that you, Karen. Really nice, Karen. Thank you for the example. Nice work. Yeah, thank you, Karen. And thank you, Robin and Murray.
Good uh, morning, everyone. This is Lori. Yeah. And had thought to share much today, but um, after these shares, I'm realizing there's this process um, that I just love. There were a few of us back in the days before COVID that used to get together and have coffee and share ideas about the course and life and and how the voice had been speaking to us, you know. And uh, and I really enjoyed those times. We called it the giving and receiving hour. And and you know that was in you know how, I don't know how long we've been doing this now, but we weren't able to do that anymore. Except that in my mind, um, a little switch and flipped that. Um, made me recognize I could spend quality time with Jesus, my friend, anytime I wanted to. Not just when I had problems, but anytime I wanted to commune. And uh, and and that's it's just such a lovely place. Don't you just love, love, love the invitation held out here? Um, I do, and uh, and I love love receiving answers that are new and 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 especially answers that come when I didn't even know I was asking a question. You know, just whoops, there was an open place, and here you go, honey. And um, I love it when that happens, but it, it asks of me. Uh, to be in a holy, open state of mind, which is, of course, what the holy instant is, that instant where I give attention to my friend, my teacher, my love. And hearing you all talk about it, in the same way, um, just makes me feel so full. <laughs> I go flying off to present memory, and uh, and this is the invitation. You know, just get quiet. Just get quiet. Just get quiet. How many ways can I melt in to truth? How many ways can I give my full attention to my friend? How many places is my friend? Um, God's voice speaks to me all through the day. You know, am I listening? Is the thing. Am I listening? And when I'm listening, I I have no problems. <laughs> so anyway, um, it's a real joy, a real joy to uh, hear the ways we commune, and uh, I just love it. It feels a privilege. I'm complete. Thank you, Lori. Oh, bless you, Lori. Thank you. Hi, it's Lana again. I'll just very quickly share, and um, it really brought back to my mind 
uh, when this reading became truth and fact to me. You know, it's it's like we read this stuff <laughs> and, um, you know, we can say, oh, that's a nice spiritual concept. Uh, but when they really come alive in your life and you recognize their truth, it's so powerful. And I'm remembering um, a time, it was shortly after I moved to Boston, and my daughter, who was, um, I guess, in her early 20s at the time, decided she was going to stay in Maryland. And I received, one night I received a call from one of her friends telling me that she had relapsed into her addiction and she, you know, and she thought it would be really good if I came home. So, you know, there came fear jumping into my mind. Um, <laughs> you know, it's that special relationship, I, I think, with parents and children that um, it's really challenging, and, and I can be set off very easily when I hear anything about my daughter and she's in danger or she's not at peace. So, you know, I got a, I hurried up, got a plane ticket, and came back to Maryland um, to rescue her. <laughs> I was going to rescue her. And, and um, I got here, and I only to find out that she didn't want to see me. She had no interest in hearing anything I had to say. And I was staying with a friend while I was in Maryland, and I remember going out on her deck um, because I was really confused, perplexed, and worried, and um, in my wrong mind for sure. And I had my Course in Miracle book, and I just opened it randomly, and it ended up on the quiet answer, that section. And I can remember, um, you know, it's, it's like it's really true when Jesus says, that, you know, the healing brings our memory back. We remember. And that's so powerful to remember the truth and to read his words, knowing that um, everything that we, re- we read and talked about today, all that was true and that I didn't have to worry uh, that the problem was already solved, and in fact, there was no problem. There was only a belief in, pro- in a problem. And rem- just remembering that, even before any solution was given, um, just remembering that, it was like the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders. I could be at peace, and so could my daughter. All I had to do was choose it and allow Holy Spirit to do its job. And and I remember um, the next day, still I'm still in Maryland, when I got a call from Maggie and we had lunch. And that lunch was so peaceful. And it was only because I brought that peace to it. And if I hadn't had had that holy encounter with my reading the day before, I would have come there full of fear. And it wouldn't have helped either one of us other than to validate our fears. So, um, you know, just remembering the truth um, is, is so valuable and so powerful because once I remember the truth, then the illusions just start to fade away and they don't terrorize me anymore. You know, I didn't have to be afraid anymore because God had reminded me of the truth, and because I had experienced the truth other times, I knew it was real. 
I could I could recognize the reality of it and I could just feel safe there. And I spent a lot of time uh, meditating in the holy instant on my trip there, always offering everything to God, always giving my daughter to God, giving myself to God, giving the whole story to God. <laughs> you know, I would give him whatever I could find that didn't represent peace and knew that it would be transformed into the peace and love of God. And knowing, just knowing that, um, the problem disappeared or the worry and the fear about the problem disappeared. All of the effects of that, um, that detour into hell vanished from my mind. And that was all I ever needed to have happen was have the fear healed. You know, I didn't even have to go to the story and look for answers and resolutions. All I had to do is heal my fear. And then everything associated with that fear was healed, was just swept up with it and healed together. So, um, I, you know, I just love when we take what Jesus offers in this course and apply it to our everyday life. Because for me, that's where the proof's been. That's where the goodies are. That's where the gifts of heaven are in its application. Um, because then we really get an experience. We don't have to understand it. We don't have to figure anything out. We just have to accept it. And in, in the acceptance of it, the miracle happens. Um, I need do nothing is such a true statement. In fact, I wish he would have said, I must do nothing. I must do nothing in order for me to recognize that God's going to do it for me. Um, so anyhow, that uh, um, just came to mind with all the sharing this morning. I wanted to share it with you. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Lana. Oh, thank you, Lana. I must do nothing. I love that. You know, he told us back in way early in the book that God and the souls he created remain in surety and therefore know that no miscreation exists. But truth cannot deal with unwilling error that is willing not, that's error I'm unconscious of. Because if I'm unconscious of it, I can't will to block it out. And then he goes on, I was a man who remembered the soul and its knowledge. And as a man, I did not attempt to counteract error with knowledge. That's the way the ego tries to solve problems. Well, you're wrong. Here's the right way. Let me solve this for you. And that little rattly voice goes on all day long. You're wrong. He's wrong. They're wrong. Um, but you know you have a way to solve this yourself. So he says, I was a man who did not attempt to counteract error with knowledge so much as to counteract error from the bottom up. And so what he's telling is so simple. I've made a mistake. I'm not at peace. I don't know what to do. I don't understand. From the bottom up, I bring my illusion, whatever it is that's caused me to lose track of my peace. Uh, my joy is missing. Where am I mistaken? From the bottom up, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to respond. And by doing that, over and over and over, he said, I demonstrated the powerlessness of the body and the power of the mind. 
by uniting my will. The ego is nothing but a belief that, uh, a belief about myself that I can control, manage, dictate, and know what's going on here. That's a mistake. When that will, that seeming will, it's nothing. It's, it's nothing. By uniting my will with my creator is to say, I don't believe in the power of the ego anymore. I don't believe in my ability to solve problems by myself. I don't believe in the concept of being alone anymore. Um, I know I have an answer, a teacher, a guide, a beloved who will show me everything. Tell me how to respond. Show me what I need to do. Speak in my ear. Give me peace. Welcome and embrace me. Show me where to go. Tell me what I need to know. Bring it to me in bits and pieces right out of my own soul that I recognize all the time. I unite my, my will with my creator is just no more simple than to say, oh, only God exists. Only truth exists. I'll give my mind to that. I'll bring my illusions to the truth. And by uniting my will with that of my Creator, I naturally remember the soul and its own real purpose. And in Course of Love, he, he tells us, you are the accomplished. God's already done everything that needs to be done. All I need to is align my mind with Christ's consciousness, and I'll know I'll have a natural response to anything, even even a horrible situation, like someone I love dying. I'll have a natural response on how to help that, how to how to hold that. Um, all this is already there when I give up the idea that I can do anything on my own. That was the mistake. I'm never alone. I bring my illusions to truth. I don't put, try and put truth band-aids on my own mind. Oh, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Yeah. That's, that's the ego way to do it. So, anyway, I'm complete. Sorry I rattled on, but there's a piece that comes from that. Oh, that was great. Thank you. Oh, no rattling. That was wonderful. Thank Hello you. there. Hi, guys. This is... Yeah, it's great to hear you, Is someone else going to speak? I, um... This is absolutely one of my favorite sections in the text. You guys often hear me say that line about the world being propaganda for itself. Oh, good morning, it's Jude. I, um, you know, just skipping through some of the strongest um, lines in this text um, that speak for non-duality, that this is, you know, where the truth of, of, of Jesus' is teaching. He's, he's teaching us what the truth is in the text and then asking us to apply these ideas in our life, in every situation, in every circumstance, so that we can know that the truth is true for ourselves, in our own experience, in our own life. And um, this is really just strongly coming home to me, um, you know, that reality is of God, and um, 
that the power of his peace is a power that opposes nothing, that he, he, doesn't, he won't even trump our misery, that he will not correct us unless we're willing to see the truth and invite the truth and then apply the truth to our lives in order to know it, in order to be it. And um, in paragraph 30, it says, the last line in paragraph 30, it says, what can interfere with the awareness of reality is the belief that there is something there, that there is something other than God, that there is something other than love, that there is something other than peace, there is something other than love, peace, joy, happiness. These are the beliefs that we're learning, learning through forgiveness to let go of. The unlearning of what the world has taught us. The unlearning of judgment. The unlearning of fear. That there is nothing but love. There's no judgment, no condemnation. And that reality, the awareness of reality in its totality which this, this symbol of the impossible um, part of the text speaks of, you know, that, that everything, everything that it's not God, that it's not love, is duality, is a split mind, is a metaphor for God. That In my holy mind, I see God in everything. I hear God in everything. Everything is an echo for God. Everything is an echo for my own holiness, my own innocence, my own totality. It cannot be perceived with the body's eyes. That to perceive, to perceive is what needs forgiveness. All of it is a metaphor for the split mind. That's the division the split of my mind from God's mind into consciousness, into multiplicity, into diversity, that sees everything as different. And, um, you know, that we think, of, we think of the empty space, the void, as, as not being filled. But it is because God is there. Where God is, truth must abide. So this is, you know, in, 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 in paragraph 33 where it says, nothingness cannot be pictured. So there's no symbol for totality. That our reality is twice removed from signs, symbols, words, images, pictures. It's formless. Reality is ultimately known without a form, unpictured and unseen. And that forgiveness is wholly free of limits. When I totally forgive the entire world, all of perception, all of duality, as being meaningless, and as in and of itself is nothing, it being the dream, perceptual dream, of all this, what we think of as being real. So... Forgiveness is the means by which truth is represented. Symbols are representations. They're twice removed from reality. It's just something we can wrap our minds around. So 
exchanging all the pictures, for what ultimately takes the place, this is in paragraph 34, getting rid of all the double duality stuff, God is left free to take the final step himself. For this, we need no pictures, no learning, aids, and will ultimately take the place of every learning aid will merely be the power holy limitless has come. The power of God, the power of love, the power of peace, limitless, without form, to receive everything as its own. Everything is its own. It's all included. Nothing is excluded. And no choice of function, the only function we have in that, in that knowingness that we are peace, we are joy, we are happiness, is that we complete it. That we absolutely complete it. We are the one son. We are all of creation itself. The power, the peace of the power which opposes nothing, yet no other kind can be at all. Give welcome to the power beyond forgiveness, beyond the world of symbols and of limitations. And God would merely be, and so he merely is, without differences, without distinctions, without boundaries or any limitations. Merely letting God be God in everything, everywhere, all the time, in quietness and peace. I'm in accord and harmony with God. And what can I have? What is there not to love? What, what, what is it that I have a problem with? If I have a problem, I'm the one that's in conflict. And there's no resolution. Because I'm in conflict with God. I have an authority, authority problem. I want to control reality. I want to say what reality is. And the whole idea behind timelessness, that all duality exists in time and space, is something that should be very apparent to all of us. Anything that is temporal, that, it, that changes, that comes and goes, has beginnings and endings, that is born and can die, is in time and space, is in duality, and is a metaphor for God. It's what interferes with our awareness that there is only God, there is only love, there is only peace. And then we want to we pick and slice and dice with our judgment, what we think we know, all the stuff that the world has taught us that we've learned, all these beliefs, the beliefs and concepts, when we let all beliefs and concepts go, we're getting to the end of the text again, guys. The end of all thinking as we know it, to let go of every thought that would come between me and my holiness and my oneness with God. So, ergo, you know, it's a, it's a question of honesty. Am I one with my source? Am I on board with peace? Or am I opposing my own peace 
Am I opposing my own happiness? Am I opposing my own joy? Am I opposing God and all his gifts of all of creation and himself to me? Am I not recognizing the truth? The holy instant is the interval in which the mind is still enough to hear an answer which is not entailed within the world or the mind or the body. It's nowhere. It's beyond all of that. It's absolutely beyond all of that. So attempt to solve no problems in the world. The world's full of them, absolutely full of them. So bring the problem to the only place that holds the answer lovingly for me. My mind is one with God, and that's where all the the one and only answer is held. And in the holy instant, I can bring the question to the answer, receive the answer that was made for me. The one and only answer. Oh, boy, beautiful stuff. And uh, thank you all for being here and all your beautiful shares. Uh, I am complete. Thanks, Judy. Um, This is Wendy. I just want to make a quick announcement. Today is Ida's birthday, and I'm sure she would love a birthday text from any and all of you that... And I can... uh, I'll put her phone number in a text on the um, YMCA, YMCA, that's where I am now, uh, on the uh, ACIM website. Okay, love you, bye. Oh, Oh, thanks, Wendy. I did not have that down. Shoot, thank you. Everybody, thank thank you. Happy birthday, Ida. Happy birthday, Ida. I think she's on the call. Yes, yeah, I am on the happy. call. Thank you. Oh, happy oh, birthday, happy Ida. birthday. Yeah, God bless you, ever loving soul. Thank you. Bless I you, bless you. Happy birthday. Yes. Thank you. Um, the past is over. It can touch me not. What a wonderful uh Lesson, all of them are wonderful, but especially for my birthday, that the path is over. Thank you. <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's a great birthday lesson, Ida. <laughs> you get to touch that one every year, don't you? Yes, it is. <laughs> well, happy birthday. Great big Happy birthday, Ida. Yeah, well, again, happy birthday, Ida. The past is over. It can touch me not. And uh, Thank you. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you. 
Welcome, Diane. Good morning. Um, this is the morning. And uh, go ahead, Diane. I can barely I hear you. Sorry about okay. that. I just said good morning. I was just responding. Well, welcome. And uh, yeah, looking for a a place to to close this call. I think after well after Judy's exposition. Um, I don't. I I just want to add that you know there is a way to see differences <clears throat> that is that doesn't separate that it, you know if the that that says that you know what we perceive as separation and to particles that are separate and alone is is essentially the error and leads immediately to conflict. It's the idea that there is conflict. There can be conflict. And, uh, you know, the, the view from wholeness would say that this is um, the variability within wholeness, that it retains the view of wholeness and says that the differences don't divide uh, properly perceived they show actually the sameness and that's behind the differences and there is just a variability within wholeness that allows for relationship to arise and that the, the purpose of creation is love creating, ever creating like itself, that, you know, it needs a it needs a place to expand into and that is this variability within wholeness. And that this view um can be used not used really, but used to serve wholeness as as easily or much more easily actually than it serves conflict and so it's again to return to the lesson that the past is over it can touch me not that um, you know conflicts get stuck without resolution if people are trying to resolve the past seeing in it cause for fear and judgment and proof of this separation, which, again, is the ground in which conflict can arise. So, uh, getting past the past, if you will, is to recognize it's over and that the solution, whatever solution to what we perceive as past problems, um, or problems that must be there because of the view of the past. I'm sorry, it's 
helicopter loud there. Um, that the uh, that that view um, of the you know living in and from the past is what guarantees that recreates in the future and all around us, and that there is a view <laughs> which accepts everything as this variability within wholeness and allows solutions to arise now. And, um, and the text speaks of it in many places, this included. And, uh, you know, even if the question is what to do now, that that is, If it's not that the if that's an honest question, it seeks the answer in the present now. And what the text makes clear enough is that the present is where creation lies, where heaven is. It's this propensity to look for problems in the past and and see them then in the future the papers over the present which is the only time when solutions can actually be found that's why it should be viewed as a gift and it's called the present <laughs> and I'll stop there um, I thank you all for being here all who shared, all who listened or read, anybody who comes in the future. And I'll end the recording, but not the call. So we'll carry on for another hour or so. Thank you, Lamoy. Thank you.